Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Psalm 44 and verse number one for our Bible study. I hope that you got a guide in the way in and I think this will be encouraging to us, help to us, especially in the day that we live. Psalm 44 and verse number one, the Bible says, you all there? We have heard With our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days and times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and Thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast favor unto them. I don't know about you, I want all that happening in my life, right? His right hand, his countenance, all those things. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances. Command deliverances. Not just a deliverance. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee, we push, or will we push down our enemies? Through thy name will we tread them under uh, that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Selah. Let's read that together, that verse number 8. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. Father, would you guide us tonight in this your word? Would you encourage and strengthen our hearts? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's be seated. Uh, can you remember some things that your dad said often? Can you remember some things your dad said often? Let's, uh, let's, let's pull this up. Let's resurrect it. Okay, well, let's make sure it is appropriate for in here, okay? Um, but nonetheless, can you think of some things? Okay. <laughs> ah, what in the world is wrong with you? Ouch. All right. I'm assuming that's after something. You're not allowed to answer. <laughs> Go ahead. Your turkeys, which you are. Yes. Learn from my mistakes. That's a good one. Anything else? You'll think about this, and in the middle of the night, you'll be dreaming on it. That's what's going to happen. Did you notice how our psalm started out? It says, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us, told us, they told us something. Uh, This psalm is couched, if you read on in the rest of it, it's couched in the midst of defeat. They're in trouble, 
in really greater trouble than they had experienced before. And it was affecting them as a nation, as a, as a group of people. And so they're in trouble, and we don't know the exact circumstances uh, that the trouble was. And likely that's the case because this psalm was intended by God for it to be used over and over and over again. You see how Scripture is in that way? Many times we can apply it over and over because it's, it's, it's specific enough that we can understand, but it's vague enough that we can, we can say, well, that works in this situation, that works in this situation, and so is this. And so in this psalm, their defeat had prompted them to call out to God. They're in great need, and so in our lives, many times defeat, sadly, it's not in the good times that we call out to God, but it's in the times when we have suffered a defeat, when we are acknowledging our own need, when we're in a desperate situation that we're like, yeah, I need God and I call out to him. But it's interesting in this psalm that it wasn't just that they, they prayed to God. It was interesting that in that moment of defeat, that in their minds they began to remember, oh yeah, our dad's told us something. In fact, my dad told me about some things that God did in his day, and oh God, would you do that again? It's really powerful. And so the title tonight is What Dad Said, because these guys, in the middle of their defeat, as a generation, a younger generation, thinks back to the older generation and realizes, Dad told me some things about my God, or his God, that I really want to become true about my relationship with God right now. And so let's look at it. Notice, first of all, the influence of fathers. We understand that, that dads are important, but in this day, as we live in a generation that is characterized by fatherlessness, we're realizing it all the more. Dads are important. Even some of the things that we've mentioned here about this on this SAFE Act, the reality is even some of that is impacted or driven by the fatherlessness in our society. So fatherlessness is a, is a big deal, and we see in this psalm these, these guys who are in the midst of defeat, the midst of very difficult times, their father's influence in their life was very important. What their father saw in God working in their generation had passed down. Notice in verse number, uh, verse number 44, the end of it. What work thou didst do in their days in the times of old. So they're, they're thinking back, you know what dad told us about the things that God did when they were boys and when they were young men and when they were um, raising their families, God, God did some things. And, and we remember dad talking about these things around the dinner table. They had seen something. The fathers had seen the powerful hand of God at work in their days. Victories over enemies. Uh, provision through difficult times. They had seen many things. Now, perhaps, and I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us what specifically the fathers talked about, but back in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, and verses 20, around that passage, we find in the days of Saul, there is the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now those are the, uh, along with Reuben, were the ones that stayed on the other side of the Jordan, the east side of the Jordan. They didn't cross over. They, they, they got their land on the east side of the Jordan. You remember that. They're there in the days of Saul, and they come up against this, this, this tribe. They needed to deal with this tribe called the Hagarites or the Ishmaelites. And we find in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse number 10, it says, In the days of Saul, they made war with the Hagarites, who fell by their hand, and dwelt in their tents throughout all the east land of Gilead. Verse number 20, 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 20. And they were helped against them, and the Hagarites were delivered into their hand, and all that were with them, for they cried to God in the battle. And he was entreated of them because they put their trust in him. 
because they put their trust in him. Maybe this was one of the battles that they, the fathers talked about around the dinner table. Do you remember when we went up against them? We were outnumbered. We had 44,000 in our group, but they had so many more. We were outnumbered, but God came through, and it was really interesting, down in verse number uh, 22, and for there fell many slain because the war was of God. The war was of God. Can you imagine sitting around the dinner table, around the campfire, or out fixing the chariot wheel, and dad telling the little boy, you should have been there, son. You should have been there. We were out man completely, but God showed up. Really, the war was all about him. The war was his. It was like we weren't even fighting. The war was all his. He came through. Can you imagine that? I don't know what the specific instances was, but these fathers had seen something that impacted them enough that they talked about it in the common, daily, ordinary events of their lives with their children. We heard from our fathers. We heard how you worked in days of old. We heard how you worked there. The fathers didn't just see it, they spoke of it. They spoke of it in verses two through three. We heard this with our own ears, these, this generation is saying, we heard our fathers telling us. There's a lot of things we tell our kids, right? Many, many, many words, correct? I'm waiting for a response here, okay? But, but, the, but the reality is we, we say many things as, as, as dads. But what we say is very, very important. And especially what we say about our God and what he's done in our lives is extremely important. The fathers didn't just see it. They told it. They, they expressed what God had done in their day. It goes on, verses 2 and 3. We already read it, but it's very specific. You drove out the heathen. You afflicted the people. You cast them out. You, you, uh, the, the possession wasn't won by our own sword. It was won by, by God, by, um, by, by his hand. It wasn't our arm that saved us. It was God's arm that saved us. It was your right arm. It was your, your hand. It was the light of your countenance that guided us through. These are very specific things they're, they're telling their children. This is what God did. We saw it, and now I'm telling you, I'm communicating to you, this is what God did for us. The past work of God was common conversation. Sometimes we get uneasy about uh, talking about spiritual things. It, it, it feels awkward. Well, they know they've been around me. They, they should know that I, I follow God and I read my Bible and I, I believe God can do all these things. They should know. Do they hear it as common conversation? And by the way, this, this applies for moms in the room and grandmoms and granddads as well, right? Amen? For all of us. But the reality is, one generation saw God work and they began to speak about it to the next generation. We have a problem where there's been a lot of things that have not been passed on to the next generation. God told you and I as dads to make sure, Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 7, to make sure that we're passing it on. And you know that doesn't stop when you get to grandfather age, right? You continue to talk. You continue to share. Well, my kids don't want to hear it. Ask God for those opportunities. Continue to plant the seed. Pray and seek those ways to continue to speak of the goodness of God. And by the way, the goodness of God can be spoken in a simple testimony. The works of God can be shared. In, well, God did this in my life this week. It's pretty amazing what we can share and pass on into the next generation. Personally, my son was reading through um, in our, in our one-year Bible, and uh, get to that passage about, um, about 
Jesus telling us if you just had a faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Remember reading that recently? And uh, my son asked me, why don't we see that anymore? You know, mountains, he said you can move mountains, right? Impossibilities, right? Why don't we see that anymore? You know what? In that moment, I wanted to remind him of the reality that, listen, I told you when we went and got our passports, I had no way of making it happen for you to go with me to Grenada. And God made it possible. That's a mountain that God moved. That's a personal illustration. But that's what we're talking about. Those, those moments, God did this, kids. God gave us this house. God gave us this car. God saved that person. We were praying for this family member to get saved, and God did this. And we're communicating that on to the next uh, generation. I'm thankful for the times I can remember back to my dad sharing those types of things where God was working in his life, and, and what a blessing that is. So the influence of their fathers uh, was, was immense. It was extremely important. Now, uh, if you remember back to the book of Joshua, when they were crossing the Jordan, do you remember what, what God said, I want it to be put in the midst of the Jordan or on the shore of the Jordan? Do you remember? Stones. Why? So specifically as a prompter for the, the older generation, when your children walk by and say, what are these stones stacked up here for? So you can make it as a conversational piece. God brought us forth and specifically brought us forth on dry, line, uh, dry ground. He, he dried up the Jordan for us to walk across. So God is good to even put some specific prompters in our lives to say, remember to make sure you're communicating this to the next, the next generation. So God is expecting us to give that on to the next generation. I was listening today, Barna puts out a podcast and called uh, Church Pulse, and I was listening today on the subject of fatherlessness in our, in our nation, and I thought this was a very interesting statement that was made. Brian Loritz uh, said this, our perception of God is seen through the image of dad. Our perception of God is seen through the image of dad. In other words, many times, whether we understand it or not, our children's perspective, how they relate to God, is developed in how we relate with them, which is a really sobering thing. And adults who have a poor vision of God perhaps had a poor relationship with, with dad. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to bring all this together because I realize I'm even speaking in this room, you, some of you did not have dads who spiritually led in your home or dad was completely absent. What then? What then? We'll talk about that in a moment. So don't, don't lose the whole message over this. Don't think, well, this, is, you know, this doesn't work for me. The fact is, we live, in a, uh, we live in a broken society. Sin has broken our society, has it not? And so... The important thing is that we realize the, the incredible influence of, of, of fathers. Uh, that, that author went on, Brian Loritz went on to say he had visited Angola prison. And uh, he, he was visiting on death row. And as he was interacting with some of those that were facing death, some of these men, one of the requests that came in their own words was, would you reach out to my son? And they, they would they would speak to this fact. He said, in their own words, in different ways, they would speak to this fact. Much of the reason I'm on death row right now is because I didn't have a dad to guide me. And I realize now that I've set a terrible example for my son. Would you reach out to my son and tell him not to follow my same path? You think about that. The influence of dads. The influence of dads. Well, we see it right here in Scripture. Our dads have told us. 
They told us something. And in the hour of trouble, in the hour of defeat, they're crying out to God based on what their dad had told them. That's pretty powerful. That's really powerful. What did it cause them to do? Well, in verse number four, let's read the first phrase together. Verse number four, ready, begin. Thou art my king, O God. Let's do it one more time. Thou art my king, O God. What did it cause them to do? It caused them to embrace God as their God. So here it is. They're not just saying, thou art my dad's king, or you're the king, but you're my king, O God. You're my king, and that's pretty amazing. They embrace God as supreme, as the king, the one who had all authority, as Elohim. The same God in the beginning, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The same one throughout all of Scripture is lifted up as the one who is supreme, the creator of all things. And they're saying, you are my king, Elohim. You're my king, supreme one. You're my king. And they owned him personally as their own. And that's so important that, that as dads, as we influence grandfathers, dads, and just to apply it across the board here, moms, we want to make sure the next generation, the next generation hears enough about our God that one day they can make him my God. My God. That's what our children need to be able to do. They need to have a personal relationship with their own God, not a different God, but their God, my God. How important that is. And so they had accepted him. He is my king. The testimony of their fathers had caused them to personally accept God as their, as their God. And notice, my king, my ruler. If God is truly Elohim, if he is truly God, if he is truly king, then this is, this is also true. My only right response to him is submission. My only right response to him is submission. And that's what they had done. He's my king. He's not just my dad's king. He's my king. We can get our children to submit to us, but the most important thing is that they learn to submit to God that they learn to accept him as my king, my ruler, my ruler. And so they accepted him, they embraced God as supreme, but they also, in verses 4 and 5, they embraced God as the only one who could save, the only one who could deliver. When our king is Elohim, the ruler of the universe, the creator of the universe, our requests made in prayer can also become resolved, mixed with praise. Notice it here, how in verse number 4, command deliverance for Jacob and then it moves quickly on and they begin to praise him and begin to express trust in him for what he would do. In verse number, um, verse number five, it says, through thee we will push down our enemies. Praise the Lord. It's gonna be through you that we have victory. So they make this request in prayer. You're the one that can save us. Command deliverances, command deliverances, multiple victories, multiple salvations out of our defeat. And it's only going to be through you that we can do this. Their prayer, as we've said many times, was a declaration of dependence. God, you got to do this. And remember, this all started back, we heard from our dads. We heard from our dads, you did this in times of old. Now we're asking you to do the same thing in our time. We're desperate. We need you. We need you to work in a special way. So they, their prayer was, please cause deliverance. Their praise was, we know you can do it. We know you're the one that can make this happen. So the question we can ask right now, can God? And the answer is, well, absolutely God can. 
Absolutely God can. And the next generation needs to know that. And they need to know it from our personal experience. Can you think back to the times where you trusted in the Lord and he came through? Now the next generation, your children, your grandchildren need to know that. They need to hear those stories. Well, sometimes those stories are a little embarrassing. No, God, they need to know at the right time. They need to know what God has done in our lives. I love what Jonathan said to his armor bearer, 1 Samuel 14, verse 6, when he came up against the garrison of the Philistines. Do you remember? He says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Maybe that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Can God? God can. God can. He absolutely can. And they had this trust in him. They believed. Command deliverances for Jacob. It's going to be through you that we'll push through the enemies. It'll be through you. And that needs to be passed on to the next generation. It all started with the dads. But I want us to notice, lastly, the direction of, the, of this generation's future. It was one of total trust. Verse number six, I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Do you know that is a total, that's a total uh, declaration of trust? I'm not going to trust in my instruments of war. In our vernacular, I'm not going to trust in my gun. I'm not going to trust in my security system in my house. I'm going to trust. It doesn't mean we don't use those things. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But it is saying my trust isn't based in the, in the object or the weapon of war. It's in God alone. These, these men went forward. The defeat wasn't over. The, the circumstance hadn't changed as of yet. They're just calling out to the Lord. And they're expressing to the Lord, we're going forward and we're going forward in total trust. We're no longer trusting in our sword. We have nice ones. We have shiny ones. They've sharpened up. But we're not trusting in them. We're going to trust in you. We're not going to uh, trust in our, in our bow in our ability to be a good archer. We're not going to trust in that. We're going forward trusting only in the Lord. It was an acknowledgement of the uselessness of their weapons without the power of God. One of the problems even in, in our own Christianity, we have a lot of things, a lot of tools that we, we try to employ in what God has called us to do, and we start trusting in the tools in the weaponry, in the resources, more than we trust in the God that gave them to us. And the next generation needs to know, if they're going to be able to trust alone in God, they need to know that we trusted in God, not the tool. We trusted in God himself. They began to accept the salvation of the Lord so much so that they, they had confidence. They spoke about how that they believed God was going to bring them through. Thou hast saved us. Thou hast put them to shame. It wasn't that... Uh, maybe you will we hope that you will it's that that god has done this they so believed that god was going to do it they so believed that elohim was able to do this that they they started talking about it as if it had already happened thou hast saved us did you see that in the in the verse it's pretty amazing how that they gained such great confidence in elohim in the god their creator their ruler their king the bible tells us in isaiah 26 and verse 3 that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stayed upon thee why do you remember for he trusteth in thee what's the next verse trust ye in the lord jehovah for in the lord jehovah is everlasting strength what do you need to trust him about tonight 
What do you need to call out to him about tonight? Trusty in the Lord Jehovah. They so totally trusted God that they became confident in what he would do in the future. It wasn't that they were twisting God's arm. It's that they were confident God was going to come through. He came through for my father. So why couldn't he come through here? He's the same God, is he not? We heard the stories from our dad. What an amazing thing. He'll come through here in the same way. So the testimony of the fathers had developed a heart of total trust towards the next generation. They, this was developed as they heard from their dads. That's where it all starts. We heard from our dads. We heard from our dads. Their trust gave way to praise. Look at verse number eight. In God will we boast all the day long. I think about children on a, pay, a playground couple of boys squabbling on a playground. Oh, yeah? Well, my dad, my dad's the strongest person, man in the world. Oh, yeah? Well, my dad can beat you. you know, and you know the, the squabbling that would go on, the boasting that would go on by a little boy about his dad. That's the picture. It's to boast verbally. By the way, no one can stop you from boasting about God. Your coworkers can't stop you from boasting about God. Your unsaved family can't stop you from boasting about God. No one can stop you from boasting about your God. And these guys say, we're going to boast in God all the day long. We're going to praise his name forever. And God divinely puts a seal there. He says, pause and think about that. I don't know about you, I, that convicts me a little bit because I don't know that I nearly boast about my God enough. I could boast about him a whole lot more in my home. Wow. They're going to go forward in persistent praise. They're going to just continue on. We trust you. We're going to even boast about you wherever we go. We're going to continue all the day long to boast about your name, to boast about your abilities. Where did this all start? Dads telling their sons about what God had done in their generation. That's pretty amazing. Because the influence of the fathers, they had a vibrant daily relationship with their God that changed, that changed the scenario when they're in the midst of defeat, that changed the way they thought, you know, how are we going to get through this defeat? We're going to come up with a strategy? Nope, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. That's pretty good. It also reminds us that we should train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he'll not depart from it. Sometimes we don't know the impact of our influence until later on. When our, the next generation gets into hot water. But we do the right thing and continue to teach them in this generation, Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 7. So, I said I'd get around full circle. What if you didn't have a dad? What if your dad wasn't spiritually there? Can we think of any scenarios in Scripture where a dad was absent, maybe present around, but was absent spiritually and didn't, didn't communicate or didn't even have a relationship with God to communicate? Can you think of any scenarios, maybe in the early church? That's where my mind goes. Paul and Timothy. Here's Timothy. He has a Greek dad. His dad isn't saying, hey, listen, son, when I was a teenager, this is what God did for me. When I was a young adult, when your mom and I got married. No, he wasn't, he wasn't talking about that. 
It was his grandmother and his mother that was communicating the message of the gospel to him. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which were able to make thee wise unto salvation. And so here you have this young man who's come to the Lord but doesn't have a spiritual role model in his life. First missionary journey, second missionary journey, Paul comes around and the guys of the church are chatting with Paul and saying, hey, listen, you ought to take note of this Timothy guy. He's been faithful around here. In the context of the church, this, this young man had been growing up, looking up to some other da- uh, guys, but then at some point, God divinely linked Paul and Timothy together and they became inseparable. So much so that Paul's last words, his last letters, were written to Timothy. And we find that Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 11, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of the Lord, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And there it is. Timothy, you're going to go through it in the very next verse. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But he had an older, father-like figure who is saying, Timothy, out of every persecution, the Lord delivered me. What encouragement that must have given to Timothy as he pastored there in, uh, in Ephesus. An older man saying, Timothy, I went through the trials that you're going to go through, but God delivered me. He stood with me. Now think about this. We live in a broken society where fatherlessness is not going to get better. But what is broken in society can be mended inside the context of the church and should be. In our homes, but let's just be real, the reality of fatherlessness within it, working in a community like this, is, it's going to always be there. And so men, what I am saying to you tonight, and ladies, pray for our men in this way. What I'm saying to you tonight is let's make sure that this is a place where a young Timothy who doesn't have a dad who's speaking into his life, speaking spiritual truth and speaking of the victories, it's when he comes in these doors and when he goes out to McDonald's with you or Chick-fil-A or wherever, that you're communicating not just, hey, shoot the breeze about, about what's going on in life in a ball game. But this is what God's done in my life. This is how God's changed my life. And every single one of us as men in here can impact a Timothy, can impact the next generation. Oh, we should strive to have our homes put together. And, and I should say this, if your home wasn't that, the reality is you can make it that in the next generation. What I am most thankful for about my father is that what we had in our home, he did not have in his you can, change, you can change it in your generation. But if you didn't have that, let's look right now. In this room, there's enough men to impact young men who are down here getting trained, you know, going through classes right now on a Wednesday night. There's young men coming up right now that need to hear from the men of this church what God has done in the previous generation. You all agree with me on that? It's a powerful you don't know how that'll impact. So don't, don't be mute about the things of God. Don't be mute about the past victories. You never know what it's going to do for some young person down the road. 
when they get into the midst of a defeating circumstance, when they think, you know what, I ought to just pray. And you know what, that brother Rick, he told me about one time he was in an impossible situation and God came through. I'm going to call out to God. Isn't that good? Well, we can all be involved in that. And by the way, there's young women that need to hear that too. So it's not, the Bible says that the older, the older women are to teach younger women. That's to be, that's to be inside the context of the church. May God help us with that. And that is so very important. So let's look at this passage again tonight. Verse number one, we have heard with our ears. We have heard with our ears. Oh God, our fathers have told us. Who needs to hear something? Who needs to hear something from you? I want us to bow our heads tonight. Take a moment this evening. Do you boast in the Lord? In your own home? In the community God's put you in? Do you boast in the Lord? Do you talk about what the God has done? These guys did and made a difference for the next, another generation. As you pray there, ask the Lord to give you grace and give you help to speak into the next generation. You have kids still at home, the Lord would enable you to do that and to do that well. And I ask you to seriously consider your role in this church to the next generation. The women can be vibrant and follow after the Lord, but the younger generation is going to look up to the men. Especially the young men are going to look up to the men and say, if it was important for him, it's important for me too. If they see you and I taking it seriously, they're going to take it seriously. Father, would you help us help us to be to the next generation what these fathers were to that generation. Give us, give us the insight Give us the opportunities and the willingness to share what you have done. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be things that you've done 20 years ago, but things that you're doing right now. Victories that you're giving over, over sin or provisions that you're giving right now. Miracles that you are doing in our lives now. Lord, I pray for the young men and women that come in and out of our doors here at the church. Lord, I pray that what is broken in society, that you would allow us by your power, by your strength to see mended in the context of this church family. That there would just be a constant boasting in you that would capture the hearts of the next generation. So Lord, we need your help with this. This isn't something we can do. This is spiritual, uh, spiritual realities. So we ask for your help. And we love you. And all God's people said... Amen. May we do that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome 
at Grace Baptist Church.